better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Gail. Our Bible study today is entitled Armageddon and the Seven Last Plagues. In 1945, William Ripley of Believe It or Not fame stood amid the ruins of Hiroshima, Japan. From that city devastated by the atom bomb, Ripley announced to his radio audience, I am standing on the spot where the end of the world began. Numerous wars during this century have gripped world leaders with the possibility that the end is near. Among today's prophets of doom are legislators, educators, sociologists, scientists and environmentalists, Thousands are stunned with bewilderment regarding the future. They wander in a maze of confusion. God reveals through prophecy an outline of coming events for the informed Christian. According to Bible prophecy, the crisis at the close is not merely a military struggle. It is the last battle in the long-standing conflict between Christ and Satan. The seven last plagues in the Battle of Armageddon focus on the end of human history and the coming of Christ. It is with this background that we enter into this Bible study. And before we begin, Hannah, would you open with a word of prayer inviting the Holy Spirit to guide us today? Sure, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because you are a God who loves us so much. Father, as we open and study and search this uh, topic, I pray that you will give us your Holy Spirit and please guide us and uh, bless this time together. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what great crisis will this world soon face? Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. It, yes, it says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slaves, to receive marks on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So, Hannah, the great crisis that this world is soon to face is the enforcement of a mark. Yes. Either on the right hand mm. or uh, on their foreheads. And even coercion that no one may buy or sell wow. except if you have this mark. That's right. Well, what are the results or consequences of receiving the mark 
of the beast in Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10. It says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Mm. So there's very serious consequences yes. for worshipping the beast mm. and his image yeah. and receiving his mark. Mm. But what is the wrath of God, Hannah, that's poured out full strength? We go to Revelation 15 and we begin there with verse 1. Sure. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. So wrath of God is just last plagues. Wow. Since Satan hates God, he desires that all men and women receive his mark rather than God's seal. When every human being has chosen between the mark of the beast and the seal of God, the plagues will fall. Mm. All who rebel against God and knowingly accept the allegiance of the beast, substituting a human decree for the divinely inspired commandments of God, will be recipients of the seven last plagues. So... Right now, there will be coming a test. Mm. And then when the test is finished, then human probation will close, so to speak, once everyone has made made their decision. Mm. But God will deliver his people. So we could say that we are living right now in the testing time or the present age where There are signs happening around us showing us that Jesus is coming soon. And we had a study on that in Matthew chapter 24. We looked at the signs of Jesus coming. But then we also looked in previous study, uh, actually, I think it was lesson 26. We looked at the mark of the beast. And we've also looked previously at the seal of God, Mm. where people will be making a choice. There will be a time of final decision for all humanity. And those that honor God will be persecuted. But when all the world has made their choice, and not before, because this gospel must go into all the world, then the end will come. Yes. But we're told that God will pour out his wrath Mm. upon those that worship the beast and his image and receive his mark. And Hannah, as you read there in Revelation 15, 1, that it's called the seven last plagues. Yes. So God will be with his people during this time, but the plagues will be, will be poured out upon this earth. Mm. And then finally, Jesus will return at the end of those plagues, and God will protect his children during this time. Yeah. But the wicked will be afflicted mm. according to the Holy Scriptures. So let's just have a look at this. Let's turn to Revelation 16, verses 2 to 15, where we find the list of these 
of the plagues. We list the first six uh, between verses 2 to 15 of Revelation 16. Sure, let's read from verse 2. It says, So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a full, um, full and loathsome soul came upon the man who had the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. Verse 3, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the river and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Verse 7, And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgment. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch man with fire. And man was scorched with great heat, and they blessed me the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bow on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed um, their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their souls and did not repent of their deeds. Verse 12 Then the sixth angel poured out his bow on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walks naked and they see his shame. Wow, thank you, Hannah. There's a list there. Yes. The first, there's the first plague is a grievous sore. Sore. And then the second, the sea of blood. blood. Mm. The third, river and springs of water as blood. And the fourth, sun scorching people. And the fifth, darkness on seat of the beast. And sixth, battle of great day of God Almighty. You know, I remember this as if you think of the grievous sore, mm. that's a sore that won't heal. When we were children, my we lived not far from the broad water on the Gold Coast, and so we would often be taken down to swim in the ocean. And if we had a sore or and scratched ourselves or whatever, uh, as children do, the salt water was always good for healing. Mm. And so... 
I used to remember this, that the first plague will be that grievous sore that only falls on those that worship the beast in his image and receive his mark. Mm. But then no medication is obviously going to heal. Comfort or heal. Mm. Uh, yes. So then they go to the ocean. But mm. the ocean turned to blood. Blood. And then the rivers and springs of water mm. is blood. And it's interesting because uh, there's a progression of discomfort through those plagues. Yeah. And um, it's very interesting. We're going to unpack that a bit further. Mm. After these six plagues, Hannah, are described, what announcement comes from heaven in Revelation 16, verse 15? Yes, it says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Wow, so this text is Christ's encouragement to his followers. That's right. He's talking, I'm coming as a thief. Mm. Urging them to persevere in light of his soon return. These plagues are called the seven last plagues. Ten plagues fell on Egypt in Old Testament times. The first three fell on both the Egyptians and the Israelites, but the last seven fell only on the Egyptians. At the end time, the seven last plagues fall only on the wicked, while the righteous still on earth are protected, and Jesus comes as a thief after not before the plagues. Hmm. Well, Hannah, does God promise to protect his people during the plagues? Let's go to Psalm 91, verses 2 through to 10. Yes. It says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snares of the uh, fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. This is a beautiful psalm to memorize. Yes. It's such a comfort. Mm. I remember visiting a gentleman who had been in the time of the uh, First World War Mm -hmm. and believed that when he heard the planes flying over, it was this psalm that he and his wife would say. And he lived to over 90, but he could still recite Psalm 91. It was of great comfort to him. And it's a beautiful psalm to put to memory Mm. because it's just filled with comfort there. How how you just read there, a thousand may fall at your side, Mm. ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. 
This is a promise. We can claim God's promises. Beautiful promise. No evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Well, this is God's promise. What assurance does God give that he will feed us during this time? Because as we read there, if the sun is going to be scorching, well, surely what will happen to the food supply? Mm. What does the Bible say in Isaiah 33, verses 14 through to 16? The sinner in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions. Who gestures with his hand, refusing bribes. Who stoops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shut his eyes from seeing evil. He would dwell on high. His place of defense will be the faultless of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water would be sure. It's a wonderful promise, Hannah. Yes, bread and water will be sure. Amen. That reminds me of the um, children of Israel when Mm. they were delivered from Egypt on their way to Canaan. God provided them manna. Manna. And that was for 40 years he Mm. provided them food in the wilderness and water Mm. in the desert. And this is a wonderful promise to memorize. Yes. Because God fulfills his promise. Yes. He will never forget his children. Mm. He will be with us. He will. He'll keep his promises. Well, where do we find our refuge or security, Hannah, in the time of trouble? Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. Yes, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. It's a wonderful promise. Yes. God is our refuge and strength. Mm. Henry, is that a verse that you would have put in your memory? Yes. promise? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I too. I remember my mum sharing that this was one that she hung on to Mm. in, in times of trouble, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's a simple verse, but mm. it's very powerful because yes. it's God's word. Yes, and we can claim this and we can remember this. Amen. Mm. Well, how will Satan attempt to unite all nations to destroy God's people in earth's last war? Revelation 16 and verse 14. Says, For they are spirits of demons performing the sign which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Performing a lot of signs. Mm. Mm. But not of God, because it's be performed through spirits of demons. demons. Mm. So Satan has power that he's going to be using with his evil angels to deceive those that yes. dwell on the earth. Mm. Well, Hannah, what is this final battle called in Revelation 16 and verse 16? And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. The word Armageddon comes from the Hebrew Armageddon, meaning mountain of assembly. 
During one of Israel's greatest crises, when it appeared that doom was certain, God intervened and sent reinforcements at precisely the right moment. And let's just read that in Judges, in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, The kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tana. And by the waters of Megiddo, they took no spoils of silver. Hmm. So, during the last days of Earth's history, infuriated by the plague, the whole world will be turned into a vast battlefield as the wicked attempt to destroy God's people. It will appear as if their doom is certain. Hmm. But as the whole world is mobilized to destroy the people of God, what three divine judgments fall? We go back to Revelation 16. We're reading verse 18, 20, and 21. It says, And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. In verse 20 and 21, Then every island fled away, and the mountain were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of the talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. So the three divine judgments, Hannah, that fall there in verse 18, there's a great earthquake. And what's different about this earthquake to what has the earth has experienced before? Yes, it was a mighty and great earthquake that um, men um, it have never occurred um, before. So it'll be a size that will be off the Richter scale, mm. so to speak. Wow. And then in verse 20, what effect does that have on the islands of the sea and the mountains? Yes. So the island flew, fled away and the mountains were not found. And then in verse 21, what else comes upon the earth? Yes. Great hail from heaven fell upon men and each hailstone about the weight of the talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Well, so hail, the weight of a talent, is about 75 pounds or 34 kilograms. Mm. Now, we haven't had hail that size on planet Earth. No way. <laughs> when, it, when it gets to golf ball size or... or um, baseball size. Mm. I have seen hail like that on occasions that makes the news headlines. Mm. But hail to this extent, this world has never experienced before. Wow. It'll be very destructive. Wow. Well, once again, God will intervene when the enemy is ready to pounce on God's people like a lion stalking its prey to destroy it. God will powerfully manifest his hand to deliver them. What marvelous announcement does the seventh angel make, Hannah, in Revelation 16 and verse 17? Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out on the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. 
and wonderful words. Yes. It is done. Life's trials and heartaches are over. It's time for God to deliver his people. Amen. Well, Hannah, how is this mighty deliverance of God's people described in Revelation 19, verses 7 through to 9? Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine line, clean and bright, for the fine line is the righteous acts of the saint. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true saying of God. Amen. So it's described here, there's, there's rejoicing. Let us be glad and rejoice. And give him glory. Yes. Our king is coming. Mm -hmm. And God's people are ready. And what are they dressed in, Hannah? How does the Bible describe that there in that verse 8? Yes. Fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. So there's a, they're in this covenant relationship with mm. Jesus. Jesus is their all in all. Yes. He is their righteousness. Yes. And Christ's perfect life is covering them. Mm. God sees his reflection of his character wow. and his children. Yes. They're ready for him to come and take home. Mm. So Hannah, in verse 9, what does John write? Then he said to me, write. What was he told to write? Yes. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Wow, and these are the true sayings of God. Mm. In the last moments of time, Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords and finally and completely destroys Satan and his work. Christ follows triumph, right conquers. But what is the glorious climax of the seven last plagues, Hannah? Revelation 19 verses 11 through to 16. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and a righteous he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the World of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierce, fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his things a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. It reminds me of the Hallelujah Chorus. Yes. <laughs> Our King is coming, mm. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Glory. Hallelujah. Friend, the outcome of the battle is certain. No matter how discouraging the future appears, Jesus and his people will triumph. And that is wonderful news. You know, God offers us protection 
protection every day we can claim his promises and he promises help in times of trial so let us just look at a few more verses that God has given to us to increase our faith and give us that assurance and I like the one in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 yes No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a powerful promise, Hannah. Mm. That's a good one to memorize. Yes. When you're feeling overwhelmed, mm. that God will not allow us to go through more than we're able to bear. Yes. And provide right. that way of escape. Mm. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through to 5. Yes. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Amen. And in all your ways acknowledge God. And, and he, he shall direct it past. Amen. Mm. Beautiful promise mm. that we can hold on to for mm. God's protection and help when we don't know the way forward. What about Psalm 55 and verse 22? Yes. Maybe as you're listening, these verses are familiar to you. Maybe these are verses that you've written in your mind and heart. It says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. That's powerful. Mm. We can cast our burden upon the Lord. Yes. The Lord is solid ground. Yes, that's right. About Psalm 61 and verse 2. It says, From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's powerful. I've heard that one to music as well. Mm. And some of the Psalms, people who have that talent, they make up songs yes and they record them and they're just beautiful to listen to because as you play them back you're learning the word of god to music yes. it's a powerful way to memorize mm. and then those promises play back to you when you're going through times of distress mm. and great need and what about psalm 56 and verse 11 it says in God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can men do to me? And that's what David wrote. Yes, what can men do to me? He really did put his trust in God. Yes. And we are doing the same today. Mm. We're choosing to put our trust in God. In him. What did Jesus say in the book of Matthew? Matthew chapter 11, verse 26 to 28. It says... Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No, does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son was to reveal him? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I would give you rest. 
very comforting. Mm. We cannot go into the time of trouble in our own strength. We must come to Jesus. Let him carry our burdens. Mm. Let him cover us with his perfect robe of righteousness, his perfect character. We can only do all things in his strength, never our own. Mm. Beautiful promise. What about 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9? Yes. It says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This is not an afterthought. God had this plan in place because he loves us. Mm because he gives us that free choice and he's there to uphold all his promises. What about 1 John 4 verses 18 and 19? It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We obey him because he first loved us. That's beautiful too, isn't it? You know, John who wrote, it was given that uh, epistle to write, that little book there, he was once a son of thunder, but he, his character changed in the presence of Jesus. Yes. And he became humble and loving. And here he's, I just love the book of First John because he talks about God is love so much mm. through that book. And I love the way the book begins because they have been eyewitnesses of Jesus. They have handled him. They have listened to him. They have seen him. And he could express it. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And when you know Jesus then we don't need to be fearful about what is coming. Mm. But rather we can look up because our redemption's drawing nigh. We can look up because Jesus is coming mm. and there is no fear in him because he loves us and he's coming to rescue us. Well, if you have not yet decided to place your confidence in Jesus by inviting him into your life, why not do it right now before it is forever too late? And this is the decision that I would like to make, and I pray that this would be yours as well that for our listeners. I desire to be on the winning side and be victorious in this last war. Just now, I surrender, or maybe you're surrendering again today. I want to surrender my life fully to Jesus. Amen. I pray that would be your decision. Let us just close in prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the way, the truth and the life, that we may put our hand of faith in yours and that you will not let us go, that you will provide for us. We thank you for sharing with us what is to come upon the world, but greater still, that you are coming back to take your children home and that your promises stand true and forever, that we may claim them, that you will provide for your children as they go through a time 
of trouble, that you will provide nourishment for them. You will provide comfort for them and your presence will be with them. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that we do not have to be fearful because your love is abundant and your love never ends and as we grasp it by faith as we hold on to your promises by faith we have the assurance that he that hath the son hath life we're looking forward to seeing you face to face grant us a deeper faith we pray may the words of scripture may they play back to our minds and encourage us as we go forward in these perilous times because Jesus You are coming and your kingdom will be one that will stand forever. May we all be ready as unbroken families for that wonderful event is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, another very deep Bible study, Hannah. And so glad that you could be joining us listening into this Bible study today. Please join us again. But till then, may God bless you and go in peace. questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia all one word dot .org dot .au Our postal address is 3 ABN Australia Inc PO Box 752 Morissette New South Wales 2264 Australia Thank you for your prayers and financial support
like a ship out on the sea Thou rulest wind and water Stand by me Marlita Fong sang Stand By Me. Coming up next, the Clark family will sing God Said I Love You. Some people try to measure God's love by things they own Like clothes, cars, and money The size of their home But if all that I had was taken away Would that mean He loves me less than yesterday? And what about the millions with nowhere to sleep? Precious little children, less fortunate than me. Well, I know that Jesus loves them the same as He loves me. For He proved His love for everyone when He died on Calvary. God said, I love you. Each time the hammer fell on three rusty nails, He said, I love you. crucified as he bowed his head and died for a world that was lost God said I love you 
Everson will now sing My Anchor Holds. My Anchor, my Anchor Holds, yes, my Anchor Holds. Though the angry surges roll on my tempest-driven soul, I am peaceful because I know, wildly though the winds may blow, I have an anchor. Safe and sure, that can ever more endure. Those storms were blow. Mighty tides about me sweep, perils lurk within the deep. Angry clouds or shade the sky, and then the Tempest rises ever high. For my anchor grips the rock, and it holds. My anchor holds. My anchor holds. wildest then, oh on my boat so small and frail. By His grace, I shall not fail. For my anchor holds, my anchor holds. 
Grief like billows o'er me roll. Tempter seek to lure astray. Storms obscure the light of day. I shall not fail for my tip lady and I love giving tips to help make life more simple. Do you ever hear something that seems to hit you slam bang right between your eyes? Well I did the other day. It's so absolutely obvious that you might be tempted to just whiz past it if you hear this statement but it landed in my brain and it wouldn't leave. Do you want to know what it is? Here it is. You only get to live once. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? But how much do we think about it? If we did think about it, how would it affect our daily actions? Well, some of us live in the past and we're full of regrets. If only, if only, if only seems to be our theme. If only we'd done this or that, or not done this or that. Some of us live for the future. We're going to do this or that. We're going to graduate from this degree. We're going to go on that holiday. We'll have time for fun with our husband or kids. We're going to do it soon or someday. And we forget to really live today. Do you want a story? I've got a tiny little jar. I think it was a little old Marmite jar tucked away out of sight because when I see it, it makes me feel sad. But I don't want to get rid of it because it reminds me that we only get to live once. It has a few small coins in it. It's not full, but every coin was put in there because our young son wanted to help us really live. He was just a little chap at the time and we were flat out paying bills with no money to spare. He started a fun jar so that we could one day spend the money on doing something together just for fun. Grandma might give him a coin for some treat, but he'd squirrel it away to put in the fun jar. He might earn a little coin for some simple job and into the jar it went. Do you want to know why it makes me so sad, very sad? We never did it. Doesn't mean we never had fun together, but we never honoured his little sacrifices by taking that money and using it for something just for fun. He wanted to go on a boat and watch whales. We could have slipped some extra money into that jar and we could have made a memory that we'd all have together, but we didn't. 
Why? Or maybe better still, why not? We allowed the tyranny of the urgent to dictate our actions. I can't bear to show that jar to our now grown young man. He doesn't know I've still got it. It stays tucked out of sight. Maybe one day. But I'm more determined than ever that since we only get to live once, I'm going to really live it. So my first tip is to really live one day at a time. Choose to wake up in the morning with a heart full of gratitude. Choose to greet your family with a smile. Choose to hear the birds singing their happy carols while they go about looking for food. Choose to notice the raindrops or the sunlight streaming in. Choose to use only encouraging words to myself and others. Choose to do something that you've been putting off and do it with joy. Choose to be happy amongst the challenges of life. Choose to really live today. I love making acrostics. You know what an acrostic is? You know, you use the letters of a word to make a statement. I thought about the word live, L-I-V-E. So, well, this is the acrostic I came up with. Live in vibrant enthusiasm. Perhaps this is one prescription of what it means to truly live. How about you think of another? I'm sure there's plenty more. And since I only get to live once, and even though life may have dealt some hard blows and there might be some more hard blows coming, I'm choosing to really live full of life, vibrant, buoyant, strong, thriving, enthusiastically. And since I only get to live once, then here comes tip number two. Choose to make this the best day and really live. Choose to flourish, bloom, be energetic, lively, active, vibrant, full of life, regardless even of physical and perhaps mental health challenges. We can do this. Nehemiah reminds us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Paul encourages us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So let's remember tip number one. Really live one day at a time. And tip number two, choose to make this the best day and really live. That's it today from the Two Tip Lady who loves to make life more simple. William Ackland with you again, friends, uh, today and the subject... Uh, today is peace. Peace is so important to us all. So just listen in as I share my few thoughts with you today. The refrain of W.D. Cornell's hymn, Wonderful Peace, commences with the words, Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. How descriptive are these words? One can easily imagine a river of peace flowing down from heaven to earth. And why do these words conjure up such an image? Because peace is one of those self-descriptive words that are known by the term onomatopoeia, words that sound like the state they are describing. So we are writing about peace in this brief piece. Peace is a state that deep within everyone's heart people want to have Exceptions are those who are warmongers at heart, 
who are intent on destroying human society as it is to make it into what they want it to be. But the normal, sensible, reasonable person is happy to live a peaceful life as they go about their work and recreation, to live in harmony with those around them in a peaceful manner. So we can truly say that peace is a desired state for most people. And why is this so? For one thing, a state of peace enables all aspects of life to be pursued without unwanted interruption, disturbance, destruction, or even worse. Peace, therefore, facilitates the achievement of bringing projects to fruition, of accomplishing one's aims. Where peace is not the norm, then chaos reigns and frustration, upset and anxiety become the new norm. While people participating in peace marches are making their point in trying to prevent wars breaking out or to stop wars that have already commenced, sometimes even these activities to bring peace about can cause disturbance. Some people may think that this is an example of the end justifying the means. Quiet times are appreciated by people who are writers and thinkers, the meditative and all with similar phlegmatic or melancholic types of personalities. The words peace, peaceable and peaceably are mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible, indicating these are important concepts. People function best in a calm environment and peacemakers, whom Jesus spoke about in his foundational Sermon on the Mount, have a calming influence wherever they go. Blood pressure rises when there is anger, turmoil or anxiety, and returns to normal when peace and serenity are restored. One of the great curses of modern society is animosity and trouble between people groups, in families and between people who were once friends. People who pander to the lower nature enjoy watching boxing matches, cockfights, and similar brutal behaviour. That is not what Jesus taught. He said that if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other. While we may think that may invite another blow, it may, on the other hand, startle the one who lashed out, causing them to rethink what they are doing. The fact is that we were made to experience a peaceful, calm and happy life without trouble, turmoil, rage, anxiety, anger, frenzy, violence, torment or vexation. Peace promotes a happy life, a life without undue stress, when we can accomplish our goals and make the lives of those around us more enjoyable. Most importantly, peace puts us into a state of mind to listen to that still, small voice that is our God speaking to us. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.